Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <clears throat> Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. When she is lonely, the longing gets... Hello everybody, welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow, breaking down the Apache Warrior 400 from Dover, talking about the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race from Las Vegas, and the NASCAR Xfinity Series race from from Dover a little bit later as well, but the Apache Warrior 400, John Kyle Busch is 42nd for a NASCAR Cup Series victory. He did it in dramatic fashion. Chase Elliott looking for his first career win, gets in a little bit of lap traffic. Kyle Busch comes around, passes Chase Elliott, and gives Kyle Busch and Toyota another victory here in the playoffs here at NASCAR. A uh, interesting race. You know, we saw some speed from Hendrick Motorsports. We'll get to that a little bit later, um, but really a, a race that ended up with Kyle Busch and Toyota in victory lane, John. And one of the things that happens every, there's always uh, a shot at Dover, either being a wreck fest or being really, really green. And Dover this time was really, really green after Jeffrey Earnhardt decided to play chicken with the sand barrels. But that whole last stage, I mean, they're running green laps and whenever it runs green at Dover, a lot of people, you see the comers and goers and you see the big spread between leader and those hanging on to the rear end of the laps. Chase Elliott ran a great race. I mean, I feel bad for him because in his words, these are his words, I gave it away because I didn't run lap traffic good enough. And Kyle Busch didn't have lap traffic to deal with. He was able to make up ground that I couldn't. And I think it's phenomenal that Chase Elliott was the one who stood up in front of everybody and said, I lost that race. And it really makes what happens later, and I got a feeling we're going to talk about a little bit what happened on uh, pit road, totally useless whenever Chase Elliott's the one out there saying, I messed up. Great crew, right, great make- car, and Chase Elliott said he messed up because he couldn't make a pass, and Kyle Busch came from out of nowhere, made up a good five-plus seconds over the, over the round, I mean, over the run, and past chase with a lap and a half to go. I mean, I thought it was a phenomenal run for Kyle Busch. You never expect anything different from him. The guy just wants to win everything, and he's going to fight his you-know-what off to do it and made a great run to get him, made a clean pass. There was nothing dirty about it, no tapping, no knocking somebody out of the way. He picked the lane, made a clean pass on Chase Elliott, and it was a phenomenal finish to the race. Uh, What happened later, we'll talk about, which I think is dumb as hell. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about um, what happened a little bit later. And, and like you said, Chase saying it was all his fault. But it wasn't a race that was dominated by Toyota. We see a lot of these races nowadays. And and recently, the last five or six that have been really a Toyota-dominated affair, 
Uh, it wasn't that way at all. You know, Kyle Busch and, and Martin Truex Jr., they ran in the top five all day long, but Kyle Larson led a lot of that race. Chase Elliott led the most laps in that race. So they didn't really dominate, but Bush was kind of there all day long and really at the end uh, got that car perfect to where he could chase down Chase Elliott. And you got to give him credit for that. I mean, Kyle Busch is good everywhere he goes. And, and I think the playing field gets a little bit level at a place like Dover. And it'll be interesting to see what happens next weekend at Charlotte when we're back to a mile and a half track. But I think the, level field got, the playing field got a little bit level here um, at Dover. And it made for some interesting racing. I mean, like I said, Larson was up front. He led 137 laps. Um, you know, and a very nice race, I think, if you're a very good race, if you're a Hendrick Motorsports fan, because you actually saw some speed. Um, you know, you don't want to consider uh, Chip Ganassi racing with Felix Sabatis a Hendrick Motorsports car, but they get their engines from Hendrick Motorsports. So when you think about that, you go, Chase was second, Jimmy Johnson was third, uh, and then you had Larson in fifth, Dale Jr. in seventh, and Jamie McMurray in ninth. So a very solid day for those guys. But as far as Chase Elliott's concerned here, John, um, a guy who just can't seem to win. Um, you know, he's had a couple of really close finishes here at the end. Michigan, a couple of, last year, he, he threw away two times last year. I remember even last year in the all-star race, he came, he didn't transfer. He just can't, could never close the deal. His dad was very similar where his dad had a lot of second place finishes in his career before he got his first win at Riverside in 83. Um, I think once Chase wins, he's going to win it in bunches, but this has got to be hard on this poor, poor kid. Um, of course, there's going to be wins coming. Everybody, everybody said it. There's going to be wins coming for Chase Elliott in that car. I mean, it's not like he was Ricky Craven driving for Hendrick Motorsports where he had that third-place finish in the Daytona 500, and then you really didn't hear much from him again until he was in the accident, and then you really didn't hear much more from him when it came to uh, how he performed at Hendrick Motorsports. It's not like... Danica, when she had the first uh, first race where she wins a pole at Daytona, and then you don't hear anything from her again. Chase Elliott's been around the whole time. And like we said with Kyle Larson, we knew he was going to knock down the door, and he finally did. Uh, we said it was Stenhouse at times. We figured he had more talent than he was showing with his car. He finally got to the restrictor plates this year, had a car underneath him, cracked through and got to victory lane we said ryan blaney was going to be a first time winner we expected it because he was too good a driver not to win races and he pulled off the win at pocono by beating harvick when harvick was in his i mean harvick was doing everything he can to make try to make ryan blaney make a mistake and he ran a perfect teen laps at pocono to win the race chase elliott's come close he there's always some little miscue where somebody's not i mean he can't get past laugh traffic or he goes into the pits with the lead and comes out third. I mean, there's always some little thing that's been there that will get Chase Elliott so far. I got a feeling those little things are going to get tightened up a little bit, and Chase Elliott's going to be a multi-time winner real soon in the Cup Series. What do you think this does for his championship hopes? I mean, obviously, I think when you look at Hendrick Motorsports and, and Chevrolet, they've been behind the eight ball this year. Um, and I think if you talk to people who are who have watched the sport all year long and are very knowledgeable, they'll tell you Hendrick is right now a long shot to win this championship. They're the underdogs because the Toyotas of the 78-18 especially have been really fast. The 42 has been the class of the, of the Chevrolet field. So, you know, the 48 and the 24 are sort of, you know, on the outskirts. They're the underdog. 
Um, but a solid run for those guys yesterday. Jimmy Johnson, this is his racetrack, one of his best racetracks. He goes out there and finishes third. I talked a little bit about Dell Jr. Uh, finishing seventh. He ran in the top ten all day. So a nice step in the right direction for Hendrick Motorsports. But do you think this is an anomaly as far as we don't we won't see too many Dover we don't see any more Dovers in this chase. You know, it's Charlotte, and then of course you got Talladega, and then it's Kansas in the second round. So is this sort of an anomaly as far as it's a it's a mile track, and and maybe Toyota didn't focus as much as they will on a mile and a half, which is our bread and butter. Or do you think this is Hendrick Motorsports finding a little speed in general and closing the gap on the Toyota team? Uh, Jimmy Johnson seemed to believe that Hendrick Motorsports found something. And he was very happy with his performance throughout the weekend. I mean, he's qualified 17th, but he said when he qualified 17th, hey, that's me, I'm not a good qualifier. But Jimmy Johnson's always found his way to be able to get through the field at Dover and make his way toward the front. But he was confident that they held, they found something. Junior running seventh, that's different than they've been. They've usually been fighting for 15th was a good day for Junior and his team. And he ran a solid seventh, uh, was floating around the top 10 all day. Hendrick may have found something. What this race does for Chase Elliott's chase hopes of making, uh, getting to the homestead, it's going to take a lot for somebody not named Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, or Kyle Larson not to make it to homestead. I mean, Larson, as they start this round, is 14 points ahead of Keselowski in fourth. Um, Chase Elliott is 10th in points. He's four behind Stenhouse Jr. at the cutoff point of uh, eighth place. But you've got Kenseth right there, six point, or one point behind Chase Elliott. And he's one point back, Matt Kenseth, and he's been running better than Chase Elliott throughout the playoffs. Chase ran great yesterday, but if you go through the three races, Matt Kenseth's run better. I think Matt Kenseth's got a better shot at making the top eight than Chase Elliott does. I think Stenhouse is going to fall out, but, I mean, there's going to be some big names not make this next round. Oh, absolutely. And this is where the the herd gets a little bit thinner. Um, But I agree with you. I think Chase is, you know, the thing that Chase hasn't done all year is he hasn't won. He hasn't won many stages, so it isn't a lot of bonus points. He's sort of in the same boat as Jane McMurray, which, you know, you've seen a lot of speed out of the team. But you haven't seen him really win a lot of stages and win a lot of races. And that, he was two laps from getting a, five bonus points, which would have put him in an eighth at a Stenhouse going into the second round. So that would have been huge. Um, but, you know, a solid day overall for Hendrick Motorsports. I think you're feeling a little bit better about things. Uh, you know, like we said, we didn't, I didn't see a Toyota go out there and completely dominate like we've seen, you know, uh, Truex absolutely dominated at Loudon. You know, we didn't see that this weekend at Dover. So that's a good sign if you're a fan of, of a team other than a Toyota team. But I'll tell you, a very disappointed out, disappointing outing for Ford in general, John, yesterday. It was Stuart Haas Racing Team Penske or Roush Fenway. Um, you know, Clint Boyer was the highest finishing Ford in sixth. He really didn't run great all day. Uh, then you had Brad Keselowski in tenth. You know, I think they got a little bit off his strategy, but they tried to do something a little bit unique there by staying out and using their, their tires at the end to gain some spots. It didn't work for them. They finished 10th. Logano wasn't really anywhere ne- near the front all day. He finished 15th. Then you had Danica Patrick up there. Kevin Harvick had an issue on pit road. He was probably the class of the four teams all day long before his issue. Could never get his lap back. Finished in the 17th spot. Kurt Busch was a disaster all day long. Yeah, they got a little bit of bad break on that uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt caution that pinned him two laps down. But he could never get his laps back. He wasn't that fast. 
So a, a very, very, very disappointing day at a track that usually Ford and Roush Fender Racing does very good at. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finishes 19th. Trevor Bain was nowhere near the front in 24th. A very, very disappointing day if you're a Ford fan, especially those, those teams of Team Penske where you want to win, run for this championship, and they were never really near the front. So a very disappointing day for them. I think one of the things when it comes to that, sort of what we talked about last week is the way the box is painted. That we talked about how Toyota gave them their new nose for this year, but probably gave them the 85% solution. And within the rules, we're able to tweak it and all that stuff and get it to the 100% solution. Ford's been running the Focus for how many years now? and Or the Fusion for how many years now? And it's, there's nothing to adjust to it. I mean, everything is there laid out. They've probably done every tweak, every part piece of aerodynamic adjustment they can. Um, don't think Doug Gates isn't getting every bit of horsepower he can out of the power plant. So, I mean, Ford's just kind of caught in a box where there probably isn't much left they can do. They have to have the perfect day on pit road. They have the have to have the perfect pit strategy because, Everything is pretty much laid out. There's no changing it. Yeah, and even Ryan Blaney had a tough day, John. I mean, these are the guys that, if you're at a Ford camp, usually a team Penske performs very well, and they weren't ne- nowhere near the front. A very disappointing day for Logano. Uh, I know Joey's not in the chase, but you want to hold your head up high here and finish with strong and finish with some sort of pride for this year. Um, and a just – Nowhere near the front. I mean, they weren't any. They weren't even sniffing a top ten. I mean, that's that's not good. Um, if you want to compete for this championship, a very alarming day for Ford. Uh, Stenhouse squeaks into this chase, John. Um, you know, he was able to, you know, salvage a decent day out of it. If you consider 19th a decent day, he beat Ryan Newman by three points to make the the chase. Ryan Newman finished 13th, and, and that was another team. You know, uh, you have two teams that are look that are in the chase for Richard Childress Racing. That needed a solid day at Dover. Newman finishes in 13th. Uh, Austin Dillon was 16th. Ty Dillon and RCR affiliated team in 22nd. Paul Menard in 26th. Michael McDowell 27th. AJ Almendinger 28th. Chris Busher 30th. I mean, that whole group of race cars right there, the RCR affiliated cars, out to lunch all day long. Newman performed pretty well, um, and he was the center of controversy at the end of that race. But another bad day for Richard Childress Racing, which resulted in um, both of their cars that were in this chase out of the chase in Austin Dillon and Ryan Newman, John. I really think Ryan Newman's done pretty good about making the most of what little bit he has, because it seems like RCR is down on horsepower. They're down on aerodynamics. It just doesn't seem like they're in contention on a regular basis, but Newman always seems to be the class of that field where he finds his way to be in the top 15. And once he gets to the top 15, every now and then he'll pull off the top 10. But he always finds his way to be the lead dog when it comes to that pack. I mean, he's usually one step ahead of uh, Austin Dillon, and then everything sort of falls into place after it. I don't think Paul Menard's getting anything out of Childress right now because they're already banking on him going to the Wood Brothers, so he's probably just getting whatever they want to test with. Um, and they don't even tell him what, they, what he's got. Um, I think Newman has made the most of the of the situation he has and I think there's a lot more work to be done at RCR and we'll see what kind of uh 
play they can make in the offseason because there really isn't a whole heck of a lot they're going to be able to do this year. I mean, they can test now because both of them are out of the chase. But I don't see them making a big dent this year. We'll see what they can do in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, they got to make some organizational changes, excuse me, uh, with their at RCR, I believe, because they're just way off. They've been off all year. I know Newman got the win to get them into the chase, but you want to perform a little bit better than they did in this first round. Uh, and the other driver going home, Sean, is Casey Kane. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. I know they made a the crew chief change of bringing Darian Grubb from Keith Rodden. Uh, but Casey won Indianapolis, you know, a, a wreck field race there, took out went once Truex and Bush took each other out. Uh, that race was wide open, and then it was sort of a, uh, a wreck fest after that that resulted in Casey Kane getting to this chase. But he hasn't run good enough all year to be part of this chase. Um, and just another tough day, a terrible day at Chicago Lane got us chase off to a, a tough uh, his playoffs off to a bad start ran decent at Loudon wasn't anywhere near the front at Dover all day long finished 14th uh, and that will knock you out of this chase so Newman uh, Austin Dillon Casey Kane and Kurt Busch go home John um, any surprises there I mean listen I'll, I'll be the first to say I thought Kurt Busch was a sleeper going into this thing because he had run very well up until the chase you know he had some good runs there it was was building some momentum and I'll tell you, I don't think there was a team I was more disappointed about. They come out in these first in these first three races of this chase and just in these playoffs and just run horribly. Uh, I know he had some trouble at Loudon where he ran into Kevin Harvick, but even you know even during that race, he wasn't really anywhere near the top ten. A very disappointing day, uh, and I think Dover was a track that Kurt Busch usually runs very good at. He's won it with Penske in the past. Uh, not a very good day at all. Um, for Kurt Busch and that 41 team. That to me was a surprise, John. It did surprise me. I thought Kurt Busch and Tony Gibson would be able to uh, make it through the first round of the playoffs, especially the way they came into the playoffs. The last six, eight races, Kurt Busch and that 41 team have been running fantastic. But as the playoffs went on, I think the big hit was the hit on Harvick in New Hampshire. I think if he would have finished out with a 12th, 13th place finish, and then pulled off his Dover run. I mean, even though Dover wasn't spectacular, I think if he doesn't wreck and finishes top 10, top 15 at Loudon, he made his, might've been able to squeak in, but that 36 place finish was just too much to overcome. Oh, absolutely. And I think that was a, uh, a big problem. You know, you can't have a mulligan. You can, if you have bonus points, but Kurt didn't run good the first half of the year. I think they figured it out in the second half of the year. Um, and when you don't have bonus points, you really can't rebound from there. Uh, so the race was, like I said, it was a decent one. Kyle Busch was your winner. Chase Elliott second. Jimmy Johnson third. Martin Truex Jr. Kyle Larson. Clint Boyer. Dale Jr. Daniel Suarez. Jim McMurray. And Brad Keselowski was your top ten. Uh, you know, the, the where it really came down to was the finish. Two laps to go. Kurt Busch passes, or Kyle Busch, excuse me, passes Chase Elliott for the win. Chase Elliott was, had a decent lead. You know, Kyle Busch was cutting into it, cutting into it, cutting into it. And with about five to go, Chase Elliott starts to check, catch lap traffic and uh, gets into, gets to Ryan Newman and cannot pass Ryan Newman. And Ryan Newman starts to become a, uh, you know, a little bit of a traffic jam for K- for Chase Elliott as he's leading the race. That allows Kyle Busch to, to catch Chase Elliott even faster and passes him with two laps to go. That resulted in Jeff Gordon walking off the, off the pit stall of the 24 car and down to Ryan Newman and saying, quote, thanks for the help. The two exchanged a little bit of words. 
Newman was saying, I'm running my own race. I got my own things to worry about. What were your thoughts, John, on this whole Chase Elliott, Jeff Gordon, Ryan Newman situation here after the race? Jeff Gordon needs to shut the hell up. Ryan Newman was doing everything he can to try to put that 31 car in the second round of the playoffs. And you know how things go. Ten laps to go, if they throw a yellow, there is no um, free pass. There's no lucky dog. You stay a lap down. And if he goes a lap down, he has no chance if there happens to be a restart in the final ten laps. He's got to keep himself on the lead lap. And that means he's going to make his car as wide as possible to make sure that he doesn't get lapped by Chase Elliott. And unless the flag man in NASCAR race control throws that blue and yellow flag saying, hey, get out of the way, the leader's coming through, and you're in his way. But Ryan Newman was running lap times the same as Chase Elliott. He was, he, not like Chase Elliott was two seconds faster than Newman, and Newman was holding him up. I mean, Chase Elliott and Ryan Newman were running about the same pace. And if I'm Ryan Newman, I'm doing what I can to keep myself on the lead lap because that gives my team the best possible chance at the best possible finish. And that's what we want out of our drivers. We don't like the – I mean, you and I have griped about it whenever we see somebody wave somebody around. I want to see people pass each other. I mean, early in the race, I don't mind it. But when it comes time to go, the last 50 laps, if somebody's waving somebody around – they better have a problem, or it better be really bad. And that came from the Boyer spin at Richmond a few years ago, where you need to do your best on a regular basis. And I think Newman did the right thing. Jeff Gordon needs to shut the hell up. He's a pretend car owner, and he used to drive the 24. He isn't even the 24 car owner. He's a, he's a 48 car owner. So he needs to just sit down, play his Fox Sports role, and be, a, be an outsider, not a driver, and get out of Ryan Newman's face. Well, I, actually, interesting comments. That now that you brought that up, I read on Reddit, and it was a tweet from Adam Stern from the Sports Business Journal about Jeff Gordon's future. Um, and Jeff said, hey, uh, my, my contract with Fox Sports runs out after 2018, and made some other comments as well, some interesting comments. Um, and it sounded like he might take a bigger role in Hendrick Motorsports in the front office at Hendrick Motorsports as things go on. So that's something to keep an eye on. I'm surprised to see him on the pit box there at over at that point. I know that's his old race team. And, uh, you know, you sit there and you go, well, that's his old race team. He, where do you want him to be? I was just surprised to see him. He's retired. You would think he would be, you know, just kind of hanging out with his wife and not coming to the racetrack. But he had a big part. It looked like he had a big part of that team. He was uh, sitting on a pit box. And, yeah, it's Jeff Gordon, but still. You know, um, I was kind of surprised to see him up there just because you don't really see him in an ownership role. Um, so it was surprising to see him get down off his uh, the, the hauler and go after Ryan Newman. I think he felt like he had to do it. Um, now, Newman, initially when I saw what Newman did, what, what was going on, I was a little annoyed because, I'm, you know, you're in the moment. You want to see Chase Elliott win his first race. You go, be great to see this kid close it down. It'd be awesome to see it. But once you think about it, you know, and I'm, I told this to you off the air, and this is where I side with Ryan Newman on this. You know, people get upset when they see Joe Gibbs racing a few years ago at Talladega, sit in the back and say, you know what, we're not going to tear up our race cars. We're not going to go to the front. We're going to just take a good point today because we don't want to tear up a race car and ruin a shot out of the championship. 
would rather collect 26th than finish, run 20th than finish 36th. People got annoyed by that while they're not really racing hard. Um, and same deal with like, for example, there was a tweet that Jeff Luck had that said that apparently Ricky Stenhouse Jr.'s spotter went over to Danica's spotter and said, hey, can you, can you give us a break here and give us an extra point on the racetrack? And a lot of people get annoyed by that and say, well, they shouldn't be doing that. They should be racing 100%. And I totally agree with that. And here's Ryan Newman running 100% for his race team. Yeah, it probably didn't matter that he stayed in the lead lap, but you can't predict the future. If somebody blows a tire with three to go, Newman, he'll get the lucky – there's no lucky doll there with under 10 to go, like you mentioned, John. So that is a huge, huge deal, and he wants to stay in the lead lap. And even if he gets one or two spots, it's a big deal for him trying to make the second round of the playoffs. I think if this is next week and Newman's not in the playoffs, maybe he races a little bit differently. I don't know. But he had to do everything he possibly can for his race team. Newman's a tough guy to pass to begin with. But if you're Chase Elliott and you're the leader, go out and pass him. You know, that's what racing's all about is to go out and pass somebody. And I don't think Chase was as annoyed at Newman as a lot of people thought he should have been because I think Chase understood that that's, that's his job. His job to go, is to go up there and pass Ryan Newman. So to me, it's, again, initially I looked at it and I was annoyed, saying, what's Newman doing? He's not really running for anything. But I understand exactly where he's coming from, where you want to give your team 100%, especially at the end of that race. And we, I've griped myself. I've griped when guys have let other people go by and stuff like that. So you, you can't complain about people not driving hard enough and then complain about them driving too hard. To me, you know, it's one or the other. And let's say, for example, somebody does blow a tire with three laps to go. If Newman does get lapped, he could take the wave around to get onto the lead lap, but he's using old tires. Everybody who's on the lead laps change, put new tires on. There's no chance of him getting positions. If he stays on the lead lap, comes in, gets tires, they make an adjustment. He's th- he missed the he missed the second round by three points. You can make up three points pretty easy on a restart. So that was what Newman was trying to do. He was trying to get the 31 team into the next round. I swear to – I mean, I could almost guarantee it if they're at Charlotte next week, now that he's out of the playoffs, and it's two to go, Ryan Newman goes down to the bottom and gives Chase Elliott all the room he needs. Yeah, you're probably right. And, you know, I think that's what it comes down to at the end. When you think about it, you think about racing and you say, hey, listen, this is what we do. We race, and you can't get mad at Ryan Newman for racing his guts out. Real quick, I want to read the Jeff Gordon quote because I thought it was very interesting – uh, Jeff said to, I don't know if it was to Adam Stern or not, but it was a quote. Uh, I have one more year on my Fox contract and I don't know what's going to happen past that. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun, very educational to me. It's the best way to step out of driving because it's enough pressure to make you work hard. And it's also an adrenaline rush because you're on live TV. I've also learned a lot about the sport, the people in it, but yeah, if my role at Hendrick Motorsports increases, it would be hard to do both. I can do both right now at the level that I'm at, but I don't know what will happen with my role after 2018, my broadcasting role to 2018. Me and Rick are constantly talking about the future and what that looks like, but no decisions have been made, end quote. So kind of interesting. You know, John, I want to bring that up to you because you're a guy who uh, brings up the topic a lot about owners and saying, where are we going to get this next group of owners? You know, Rick Hendricks getting in his 70s. These guys are getting older and older. And, you know, when you think about teams and who they're going to hand it off to. You know, you really don't see Jack Roush. There was talk maybe Jack Roush was going to hand his team to Doug Yates. Um, 
You know, you don't know what Richard Childress is going to do, although that's probably Mike Dillon's role when, uh, when Richard decides to get out. Um, and Hendrick, you know, a lot of people said, well, Ricky would have been the perfect fit in there because Ricky wanted to be the owner, and then he passed away. Um, so, you know, for the last 12 years, there hasn't been a really clear vision as far as who takes over Hendrick Motorsports. Is Jeff Gordon next to line to do that? It would be very interesting if that's the case. I think it's a, uh, one of the two. It's either going to be Jeff Gordon. But the thing is, I don't know how much he's going to be able to – I mean, Gordon made a lot of money driving. I don't think he has enough money to be a car owner on his own. I mean, you look, Tony Stewart made almost as much as Jeff Gordon driving, but Tony Stewart would not be able to be who he is without Gene Haas's money. And unless Rick Hendrick decides to make a trust and put Jeff Gordon as the CEO of the trust or something like that, I don't know how it's going to go if something, if Rick decides to get out of it. Rick, uh, Jeff Gordon, one of the things where, like you said about him, you usually don't see him too much on the pit box and everything. Delaware is the home of DuPont. And when DuPont got sold to it and became Exalta, that's the back row. I mean, that's the backyard. Jeff Gordon was Mr. DuPont almost his entire racing career. So Jeff was probably playing these um, be nice to the sponsor role to make sure Exalta stays in the game which they're going to do next year, partly with William Byron, partly with Alex Bowman. I think if anybody, the person who showed he knows how to be a car owner already, because he's got his sister to make sure he does it right, is Dale Jr. And Dale Jr. signed a contract with NBC Sports, but I don't know if that's the role he's going to play. I think down the road, it may be a combination of Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. as the owners of Hendrick Motorsports, but I don't think one of them individually can do it. 917-889-828 here, here, Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow talking in circles tonight, breaking down Dover. Um, you know, like I said, it was an interesting weekend. Uh, I thought it was a race that at times, you know, Dover gets at times it can get a little bit, uh, it feels a little long at times. But you know, now that they turn the race to 400 miles, I mean, when every time I go to Dover and it's 400 miles, I say, man, they used to run 500 miles here. That's crazy. Uh, because 400 miles is a long race at Dover, but it was a decent race because of the fact that you just didn't see somebody dominate. Now, I think a lot of that was, it, it was helped by Jeffrey Earnhardt's wreck that um, happened during green flag pit stops, sort of shook up, shook up the field a little bit, and we saw some passing that way. Uh, but what were your final thoughts at Dover, John, from Dover uh, in the Cup Series? You know, who ran good? Who were you surprised to see? And just final thoughts at Dover before we move on to the Xfinity Series race. It was nice to see Chevy uh, break the Toyota domination, whether it's a one-race blip or Chevy found something. It was nice to see. I was kind of disappointed that Ford really didn't have much that day. But I think Ford might be focusing on the mile and a half because, I mean, you look, Blaney was pretty comfortable. Harvick was pretty comfortable. Keselowski was pretty comfortable. Their main job was to not get in any mess and get themselves knocked out of the chase. I was kind of disappointed at how Kurt Busch ran. I expected Casey Kane to be where he was. I kind of expected um, Austin Dillon to be where he was. I thought Newman ran his heart out to do the best he could and tried to get himself into the playoffs, just came up a little bit short. It was nice to see speed out of Hedrick Motorsports again. It was nice to see Kyle Larson being Kyle Larson. Um, I think if Harvick didn't have his pit road issue, Harvick would have been up there in the top five, but he just couldn't get his laps back. 
Yeah, he had a fast car. There's no doubt. I don't know if he would have been able to win the race, but he would have put up a decent performance for, for his team, better than 17th, no doubt about it. Um, he had a fast race car, and he was passing cars all day long. He just could never get that lap back. Um, and that had to be frustrating. When you get two down like that, uh, you know, due to a loose wheel, that kills you. And he could never get that lap back. And it was a frustrating day for him, I'm sure. But they'll rebound. And I'm interested to see what they perform in the chase because Harvard's a very good driver. We've seen that team perform very well in the chase in the past. But Fords are behind. There's no doubt. So if they can find a little magic and pull it out of their hat, I think Harvard could be a player here. But uh, they're going to need a little bit of magic, no doubt about it. Xfinity race here, John, at Dover. Uh, I thought it was a, a completely as, as, you know, as uh, competitive as the cup race was as far as the front of the field was concerned where we saw a lot of leaders. This Xfinity Series race, we saw three leaders all day. Uh, William Byron took the pole, led 62 laps. Ryan Blaney started eighth. It took Ryan Blaney about that long, 62 laps, to get to the front. Once he got that... Uh, the handling of that 22 car and that Xfinity Series race, he was gone, checked out, completely gone. An absolute dominant second half of that race in the Xfinity Series race for Ryan Blaney. He wins, beats Justin Allgaier, William Byron, Daniel Hemrick, and Brennan Poole, the top five. I thought a great race for Allgaier. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he doesn't win a ton of races, but he always seems to be there in the top five, always seems to be at one of the highest Xfinity Series racers. Does a nice job there. Byron. Uh, a kid that is still learning and still going out there and performing very, very well. He'll be interested in the watch for the championship. I thought Daniel Hemrick put a very strong race up for him. Uh, and a Richard Childress racing car ran in the top five all day. He didn't have the speed of the leaders, wasn't the fastest car all day long, but he was solid. And that's what he has to do. And a good run for Brennan Poole. Uh, the Ganassi team seem to have a little bit of speed here, and Poole gets another top five run. Uh, your thoughts on the uh, – <clears throat> Usual Mellon drives over 200 from Dover. I think William Byron did a lot to overcome some adversity during the race where, I mean, he led a lot early and then he kind of drifted back and had to work his way back up to get a top three. Um, it shows the consistency in that junior motorsports team. Again, all guy or Mr. Consistency. He was right there all along. He's the points leader as they go, as they get ready to go to Charlotte to wrap up their uh, third, third leg of the first round of the playoffs. I think, Allgaier is the guy to watch out for. Blaney was just on, he was just on rails. I mean, that 22 car was uh, solid all day long. I think Eric Jones had something for him, but he wound up getting into trouble. But the 22 car was a class of the field throughout the entire race. I mean, you had, he was one that could actually get through and the clean air didn't actually hurt him. But once he got clean air, there was no catching him. Uh, the one thing it's sad to see when you look at the way the standings are with the Xfinity series, I mean, you look, Brendan Gaughan's going to make this. He's probably going to make the next round. He's two points behind Ryan Reed in eighth. I mean, everybody, I mean, Matt Tith is seventh, and he's got a 12-point lead on Reed, 14 on Gaughan. It's just bad how they are from seventh on back. The top six are pretty tight between – Allgaier, Byron, Elliott Sadler, Cole Custer, Daniel Hammer, and Brennan Poole. But from seventh back, it's just a joke. Whoever yeah, winds not, up making it, whoever winds up making it out of Charlotte, is going to be locked into not going into the final round. Yeah, not a uh, not a 
trying to find a word, a very deep field in the Xfinity Series for the championship this year, uh, to put it as kindly as I possibly can. I just think these teams, you know, Clements gave it a great shot. I mean, he's so far out. I don't think he even can make it. He's got to pull off a miracle win at Charlotte to get in. That was a great story just to get it into the chase. There was no doubt about that. Blake Cook, you know, I've been a little bit disappointed with that 11 team. They got RCR equipment. They got RCR uh, everything there. They work in close alliance with that team. They got a pretty good guy who seems like he's got uh, the owner there, uh, Ryan Callag, who puts a lot of money into that race team. Chris Rice, who's a pretty good crew chief, and and Blake Cook, who has a chance to really prove himself here. And they haven't performed at all in this chase. I think that's very disappointing when you look at that team. They didn't have a very good run at all on Saturday. You didn't even hear their name. They were close to the top. They barely got a top 20 out of it, I think. Yeah, he finished 19th. I mean, that's just not going to get it done. you got to be better than that. You know, you're getting beat by, and no disrespect to these teams, but you can't get beat by uh, TriStar Motorsports. You can't get beat by JGL Motorsports. Corey LaJoy gave that, run, that car a heck of a run on Saturday. Corey LaJoy could drive. He's just got to get in the good equipment. Uh, but he gave that car a heck of a run. Ross Chastain finished 12th in a JD Motorsports car. I mean, those are the teams, if you're Blake Cook and College Motorsports, you have to beat if you want to be a championship contender. They just haven't done it. And that's a little bit disappointing from them because I thought they would maybe give it a shot here in this championship. They did last year. They had a pretty good showing last year, and you thought they'd take the next step. But, you know, they're just a little bit off right now, and it's, I think it's going to cost them a chance at the championship. Uh, Michael Annette's been, of all four junior motorsports teams, he's been the, the one who's struggled the most this year. So uh, he's, he's in trouble as they get ready to go to Charlotte. And then you talk about going and Ryan Reed. It's going to be a toss-up. You know, Ryan Reed, especially since they shut that 16 down, that 16 car has been dreadful this year so far. Uh, and it just seems like they haven't been able to find speed on that car. You know, Reed's not any spectacular anywhere but the restrictor plate tracks, but I hate to break it to him. There's no restrictor plate track the rest of the year in the Xfinity Series. They don't go to Talladega in two weeks. They're going to have a week off. Um, so, you know, Ryan Reed's in, in trouble there as he gets ready. Matt just a kid who – um, you know, he ran very well at Dover. I'll give him credit. Finished sixth. I thought it was a good run for him. Uh, he, he gets into some trouble sometimes, but if he can hold his head above water here as they get ready to go to the final uh, four races of the year, I think he, just from being a JGR car, would have a shot to make the final four. Then you got Brennan Poole. I've talked about, I think Ganassi is fast. They found something for these chases. We saw Tyler Reddick uh, win the race at Chicagoland. Uh, Poole ran very good at Dover. And then you got Daniel Hemrick, who I, I've been very impressed with. You know, I know it's an RCR car, but he's done very, very well. He's been very fast, and he's hopefully turning a corner here. Cole Custer, same deal with Stuart Haas. I think they found something in this chase. So uh, as much as we talk about the three junior motorsports teams of, of Allgaier, Byron, and Sadler really being the class of the field, and they still are, I think the gap is closing a little bit as far as the rest of the field is concerned, definitely from third to six, no doubt about it. I think Cole Custer is, and bo- both of us said at the beginning of the playoffs that Cole Custer was our um, Daniel Hamrick, I mean, he ran great for Kozlowski. And I think he deserved a full-time ride. I also think uh, Tyler Reddick deserves a full-time ride. And Tyler Reddick's going to get it next year at Junior Motorsports, taking over William Byron's spot. But Hamrick's a solid driver. I mean, you don't ever hear about him tearing up equipment on a regular basis. I mean, he stays out of trouble, is consistent. The RCR cars in the Xfinity Series, just like the Cup Series, just a little bit behind, um, especially when you're talking Chevrolet, they're behind the junior motorsports cars. 
But Hemrick has been solid. He's been consistent. Uh, Matt Tift, he's got the Gibbs Toyota stuff, but he just isn't the driver that Daniel Suarez is, that Eric Jones is, that Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin are. I mean, he's still not uh, a solid guy who you expect to make the final round. Uh, Michael Annette, I mean, we've said about it all along. Yeah, he's the fourth junior motorsports car, and without Pilot Flying J, Michael Annette is unemployed and not in a junior motorsports car, or he's out there driving for, um, I mean, not to make light of it, but he's driving for TriStar. He's driving for JD Motorsports. He's not driving for junior motorsports. Uh, I, I agree with you there. Listen, and, and why you bring that up about the junior motorsport or the TriStar Motorsports teams and the uh, JD Motorsports team, and I know it touched on a little bit on the rundown before, but I got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, Ross Chastain's a guy who a lot of drivers complain about. You hear him on Twitter. You hear him on, uh, I think him and Jeremy Clements got into it a little bit. But it seems like every year, uh, every race, Ross Chastain's up there mixing up in the top 15 with cars he shouldn't be mixing up with as far as our teams is, are concerned. You know, JD Motorsports is a very good race team, uh, they're, but they're an Xfinity Series only team who um, don't have a cup affiliation. And when he's out there beating, you know, Ty Dillon of the world, that's a very good run for him. Chastain re-upped again with JD Motorsports. He'll be back next year uh, in the four car for 2018. But a solid day for him, a 12th place run. I mean, that is a good, good run for that team. Uh, also, Ryan Segan, 14th. Corey LaJoy, I mentioned him a little bit earlier in 15th. They shut the other team down in 2018. Uh, the 28th team, that was uh, Dakota Armstrong, they shut that team down out of JGL racing earlier in the year. We talked about that earlier in the week. Um, but solid days for those guys who don't get mentioned a lot. You know, J.J. Yaley, 17th, not a bad day for him as well, but they don't get mentioned a lot, those teams. And I just think when they're out there beating cup-affiliated race teams, uh, they're doing a good job. And I thought those guys did a good job there on Saturday. Yeah, they did. And I think it's uh, Ross Chastain has just re-upped with J.D. Motorsports for another year. And, I mean, it's it shows that Ross Chastain isn't just there riding around logging laps. He's trying to do the best he can with the equipment he has. And I think it's phenomenal that he's being able to do it. Absolutely. I think that's the most you can ask of somebody from there. Uh, that wraps up the Xfinity Series. The Truck Series ran at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this week, John. NASCAR Camperville Truck Series race. And we saw a first-time winner. Ben Rhodes beat Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, and Kaz Gralla to win his first NASCAR Camperville Truck Series race. Uh, Rhodes has, been, has shown sign of improvement this year. Last year he had some tough races. Uh, this year, we've seen him a couple of times from up front. He had an issue earlier in the year where he was leading and kicking everybody's butt and had an issue with about 30 to go, and that prevented him from winning his first truck series race there. Uh, but this year, he, he, like I said, he's, he's taking a step in the right direction, uh, giving that Thor Sport number 27 truck a good run and goes out there and wins at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Uh, a nice nice win for, for Ben Rhodes, uh, a young kid who to see him get his first uh, truck series win. Yeah, it was. It was a great move that he wound up doing. It, it almost was uh, reminiscent of Kyle Larson winning the race at Michigan where he shot the gap in the middle and wound up uh, running away and taking the taking the final, uh, taking the win away from everybody else. I mean, Christopher Bell was a class of the field throughout the race, but when it came time for the restart, Ben Rhodes snookered him, got through, made, made himself, um, made the hole bigger. Uh, between the front row and pulled himself out of victory. It was a great run for Ben Rhodes in that green-white checker. 
Yeah, it was. I tell you, Ben Rhodes, like I said, I was hard on him last year. Um, I thought he, he performed poorly last year, but the kid was learning. And this year, he's taking a step in the right direction. Now, is he a championship contender? I don't think so. He hasn't put the consistency together to compete for a championship. But if he can take the next step next year to be a championship contender, that'd be huge for his career. Um, I think he's done enough to certainly warrant a return to, to Thor Sport. I think he'd be, he'd be uh, silly to leave that organization because I think he's got a good thing going there right now. And that win's just a huge deal for him. So he's done a nice job this year, no doubt about it. Christopher Bell, uh, we talk about him constantly, fast driver. There's a lot of good things. Chase Briscoe as well. He does a lot of good things. Nice to see Brad Keselowski racing uh, come back here, John. Third and fourth place run. They really, really, really struggled at New Hampshire Motor Speedway last weekend. Uh, but to see them come out and perform and, uh, you know, give them, show them some speed here, uh, I think there's a step in the right direction. They will be running um, their next race at Talladega. So that's going to be very interesting to see how that team performs, uh, that series is. But a solid day, certainly, for Briscoe and Sindrick. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was nice to see the Fords get up front and Briscoe and Sindrick. I mean, Briscoe had a shot at it. He was up on the front row whenever uh, they had that final restart. And like I said, Ben Rhodes just snookered everybody and made a heck of a drive to get to uh, the lead and pull away from it. So um, I think it was a great truck race. I like, I mean, for some reason, I like the truck series better than almost everybody else because it just seems like they're always racing. They're always rubbing fenders. And I'm telling you that last green white checker that they had at Las Vegas and the camera work that Fox had on uh, Fox sports one had on that race was phenomenal. I mean, you could see those trucks dancing around in the air and all over the place. And it was just everybody holding on to their holding on the best they could to make sure they can make it through the green white checker and everybody putting it as much as they could into the truck. Uh, one thing that just came across my desk that, I do want to share with you that um, Brendan Gaughan and his family that own the South South Point Casino with uh, the tragedy that happened in Las Vegas overnight. I think one of the great things that I just saw was that the South Point Casino and hotel is opening their rooms for free to families of victims of the tragedy today who are coming in to uh, um, do the thing in the same Air Spencer Gallagher sponsors giving free flights to the family as well. Um, every now and then, we're, I mean, we're talking about racing. We gripe and, all, and complain about all the things that go wrong and what NASCAR does to screw up. Uh, one of the things you got to look at, some of the sponsors in NASCAR and the amazing things that they do. Uh, kudos to the South Point Hotel and Casino for what they're doing, and the same with the Legionnaire. Yeah, and a sick feeling in the summer this morning when I woke up and saw the news about what happened in Las Vegas. Just terrible. Um, and, you know, you talk about Legionnaire, which is uh, Mari Gallagher, Spencer Gallagher's father, who runs in the Xfinity Series full-time, Spencer. Uh, same thing with Brennan Gaughan, runs the Xfinity Series full-time at South Point Hotel and Casino. Um, and to, to reach out and, and help these families who are grieving and, uh, you know, just an unspeakable, unbelievable tragedy, it, it certainly speaks volumes about the, the sport of NASCAR. You know, a lot of people gave NASCAR, and I, and I don't want to touch on this last week because of the whole – uh, flag situation, but I'm going to say this: a lot of people outside of NASCAR who are ignorant and don't understand the sport um, basically came out and gave it a bad name because they said, "Well, they're standing; they don't understand where they're coming from." No, this sport I think is better than any any other sport as far as you don't really see uh, teams opening up facilities. Uh, you know, to me, it's just this sport going above and beyond the Call of Duty, and they've done it time and time again. And NASCAR 
has, has shown that, like I said, time and time again, uh, even something as simple as um, Brennan Gaunt's father, who you mentioned on South Point Hotel and Casino, he opens up his pit road, his, his, uh, his parking lot for Xfinity Series teams to work on their cars when they go out west for free. He says, go ahead and help out. Same thing with, uh, with the truck series. He puts a lot of money in that series. He's excited. So they do a lot of stuff to help the community uh, and to help this tra- tragedy that we saw here last night at Las Vegas to step up and do the right thing. I mean, kudos to Mari Gallagher and kudos to Brendan Gaughan's dad uh, for stepping up and doing the right thing. No doubt about it. And you've seen some of the drivers, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Dale, Jer- Dale Jr., um, with the hurricanes that have taken place. They've made sure that they've stepped up and made sure that donations were made to help the people who are suffering in Florida and Texas and in Puerto Rico. I mean, you want to look at a group of people who um, care about their country, care about their fellow man, care about people who um, don't have it as good as they do. All you have to do is go to the NASCAR garage. You see some of the um, most generous people with their time, with their wallets. I mean, if you want to see generous with their wallet, again, go to the Victory Junction Gang Camp. That is one thing that was totally NASCAR driver-driven, NASCAR sponsor-driven, that wound up taking Adam Petty's dream and making it a reality where kids with disabilities and special needs are able to go to camp and it costs nothing for the families. So if you want to see the best when it comes to um, opening up their hearts, opening up their wallets, um, putting their money where their mouth is, look in the NASCAR garage. You'll find it in almost every level. And when it comes to the flag stuff, again, that's something I don't even want to touch because as a veteran of the military, people think I think one way. I don't even want to go into it. But I think you want to find good people who do good things for a lot of different causes. Look inside that NASCAR garage. No, I, I can't agree more. And, and uh, it just shows you, and I, you know, these people are proud of their, where they come from. I think uh, Gallagher has ties to Las Vegas, and we know Gone does. They're proud of where they came from and help out those people. Certainly is a very, um, very interesting and a very generous thing that they're doing, no doubt about it. 917-889-8280 here talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you tonight uh, on a Monday night. Um, real quick, I just want to give a shout out uh, to Timothy Peters, who ran his first truck race in, in a while. Uh, and I still breaks my heart to see him not out there running a competitive car truck, but gives Young Motorsports, which is a team that is building their organization up, uh, probably one of their best runs on a non-play track all in their history, an 11th place run for Timothy Peters. Good to see him out there. Good to see him uh, running, giving a, you know, overperforming in a truck doing a nice job there. Um, you know, the truck series is a little different because they don't have as many races. They don't have as many drivers in their chase. They only eliminate two after Talladega. Um, you know, so they ran New Hampshire. They ran Las Vegas. When you look at the points right now, Christopher Bell leads Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, Johnny Sauter, mm-hmm. Chase Briscoe, and Austin Sindrick, the top six. The two that would be that are in this playoffs that would be out after Talladega are Kaz Gralla, and John Hunter Nemechek. Kaz Gralla won Daytona, the only other restricted play track on the circuit for the truck series. And they go to Talladega in two weeks, so he'll be interested to watch there. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, who 
in these first two chase races has never really has not done a whole lot. Um, I think a lot of people thought maybe they were trying to save some stuff to go out there and perform. He's in an, he's in a team that isn't a cup affiliated team that does the best with what they have. Um, but John Hunter Nemechek needs to step it up here at, at Talladega as he wants to advance on to this chase. And uh, who do you expect to uh, miss this chase here with one race to go for the truck series? I still think John Hunter Nemechek has a shot. He's 14 points out of sixth, uh, 16 points out of fifth. Um, and he came back. I mean, he had, a, he struggled in Chicago, wound up with a seventh place or eighth place finish at Dover. I mean, excuse me, in Las Vegas and ran respectable. I mean, he struggled at New Hampshire, came back and finished eighth at uh, Las Vegas. I still think John or Hunter Nemechek is the one between him and Kaz Grala who has a chance to make the top six. Um, and it's going to be one of the Keselowski trucks that goes away. But then again, it's Talladega. Um, the only one I can guarantee you is the only two that are locked in are Christopher Bell and Ben Rhodes because they both have wins. Crafton, Sauter, I mean, if you think about it, John Hunter Nemechek's 33 points behind Crafton. He's not far from being locked in because they only start 36. But John Hunter Nemechek has a good shot. I think Chase Briscoe, Johnny Sauter, and Austin Sindrick, both, all three of them have a chance at not being there. Yeah, listen, that truck series is very competitive. I think that's why you like it, John. It's so competitive. Um, and I think it's it just it's going to continue to be competitive, even at Talladega Super Speedway. 917-889-8280. Talking circles, Clayton Cotal, John Harlow here. Laugh a little bit of the show. I want to get into the silly season. Now, it's been uh, sort of status quo here the last few weeks. Really, the last big piece of silly season news we've seen um, has been the fact that Smithfield will be going to Stuart Haas Racing. We don't know what capacity. We don't know who the driver of the 10 car is going to be. We know it's not going to be Danica Patrick. Um, but an interesting little, I guess, side note was, that, I don't know if you saw it, but on Twitter, Bubba Wallace went after Domino's, uh, saying, you know, hey, Domino's sponsored me in the 43 next year. Um, so a little bit of interesting side note there. We'll see if that happens. But um, I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have to figure, this stuff's going to have to start figuring itself out. There's not a lot left. I think the 10 car is an interesting one. I think Kurt Busch has got to get re-upped in a 41. I think that's an interesting one. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Bubba Wallace in a 43. That's certain, something to keep an eye on. But I think it's going to be something that um, isn't going to happen until later on in the in the season, if not into the offseason, because they got to find sponsorship for that ride. Uh, still, uh, you know, rumors about Michael McDowell being there at Front Row Motorsports um, and replacing Landon Castle. That hasn't been officially announced yet just rumors um, but what do you see about this silly season uh just give us a little bit of prediction who do you see in the 10 car who do you see in the 41 and what do you think goes on with double wallace um the 10 car i mean matt kenseth has said it's not him and you almost have to take him at his word but i still say if i'm tony stewart and i'm gene haas i want matt kenseth in that car before i want eric almarola I think Almarola is going to be there, but even Tony said this week, the driver lineup is not finalized. So that means Eric Almarola has not signed a contract. I think the 27 car is interesting because it's sitting there. There's a charter. Uh, Matt Kenseth could make a good thing. I mean, him and Ryan Newman being knowing the way that they make teams better. I mean, you look, Joe Gibbs racing improved a lot when Matt Kenseth joined Joe Gibbs racing. 
Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch were the two screaming loudest that we want Matt Kenseth on this team. And they got him, and he helped make the team grow and get it better. Um, the 43 car, I mean, I, I love that Bubba's trying to get sponsorship, uh, saying, hey, come on, Domino's, pick me, join the 43 team. It'd be great if it works, but it could be someone just shooting shooting blanks in the air and hoping that something gets done. Um, the thing I'm looking at, there are so many charters out there that we don't know where they're going to go. I mean, I think the 77 charter was sold to the 37, so Chris Busher's locked in. But you've got the charter coming back from TriStar to Front Row Motorsports. You've got the 44 charter coming back from the 32 to the 40 to Richard Petty. Who, where's that going to go? Penske mm-hmm. uh, has to buy a charter for the 12 car somewhere, but there's the third charter from the Front Row Motorsports sitting out there. Um, there's just charter more charters than there are cars right now. And there's more drivers than there are cars. And the sad part is, unless things change and the, when the music stops, Matt Kenseth is going to be sitting outside. But you said there was never going to be a victory lap for him. There was never going to be the Bon Voyage. Maybe he's already decided, hey, I'm done. I'm going to enjoy the ride and just fight like heck, go out as a champion. But I yeah, think I mean, somebody needs to – somebody, if they want to really continue or grow and be competitive, needs to get Matt Kenseth in a car. I've been preaching for months now. If I was Richard Childress, I would throw every dime I had at Matt Kenseth and said, please come. Uh, you know, we got a pretty competitive race team. We just need your help to be a little bit more competitive. And he would – I think he would help that team immensely. They – Sounds like Childress is going to be a two-car team next year. Uh, you know, Menard's leaving in that 27. They have an extra charter there as well. I don't know what's going to happen to that charter, whether they're going to sell it or try and hang on to it. But they'd be smart to go out there and say, listen, we got this charter anyway. we got to run every race with it. We're not going to get anything for it. Let's go out there, and, yeah, we might have to sit there and swallow some, some financial woes this year. But with Matt Kenseth, if he can get us, us to the next level, we can get a Matt Kenseth caliber driver even for a year and bring that team to the next level. It'll be easier to sell sponsorship in the future. It would help our organization. It would help Austin Dillon become a better driver. It would help Ryan Newman become a better, have a better race team. I just think that's a win-win for Richard Childress Racing, but I don't know if we're going to see it. Now, if we don't see that, I don't think we see Kenseth in a ride, which is very unfortunate, like you said. Um, Front Motorsports is a very interesting situation. Um, there's talk that if Bubba doesn't go to Richard Petty Motorsports, Richard Petty Motorsports doesn't run full-time next year, which I think is pretty likely that Bubba's going to end up at Front Row Motorsports because Ford wants to keep him there. Now, would this Front Row Motorsports add a third team or do they lease another charter? That remains to be seen. But, you know, if you're going to add two drivers in there, uh, you know, Michael McDowell and Bubba Wallace, that, that could mean David Reagan's out of a ride too. So a very interesting new, a very interesting couple of, of – things that need to fall here for silly season charlotte this week well, is also Clayton, Clayton, before we before we wrap that up if you think that if ford really wants bubba wallace in ford's camp why didn't they step up and keep funding that xfinity ride and then i agree ex- fund the third charter that jack roush has well and i don't know how easy it is to fund that third team and start up a whole new team from that organization but Jack had a team built in the Xfinity Series, 
And I think if Bubba had a chance with how we talk about the, the Xfinity series not being that competitive, they had a chance to really go deep in this playoffs this year with Bubba Wallace, and they didn't do it. Uh, I think that was a missed opportunity for them. I think it was a missed opportunity for Ford just to get Bubba Wallace some name recognition and get him maybe even a win in the Xfinity series where maybe you can sell him to a cup team, be easier to sell to a cup team next season. I totally agree with that. Uh, we got Charlotte this weekend with the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. We'll be back here Wednesday night previewing that and recapping any news of the NASCAR season. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you then. It's Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.